guys, Happy New Year everyone. I'm Lauren and that's Carla. Hi all. And this is Chirping with ABA Owls. This is Season 2, Episode 5. We wanted you to remind you all that we'll be taking a little break in February, but we'll be back in March, so you won't miss us too much. Um, and just before we start, we like to give our disclaimer that these are our thoughts and experiences, and we're not claiming to know everything. We're only speaking from our empirical practice. And, of course, we love sharing um, things with you guys, all our knowledge and our experience. Um, Carl, is there anything that you want to mention from the previous podcast? Um, personally, I just wanted to say thank you to Amy, who came on the last episode and putting up with us to chatting away. <laughs> yeah, it was really um, nice to have so, her. Yeah, no, Amy's so clever. I mean, it's, she's, she's always good company to have a chat with. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, thank you, Amy, if you're listening, um, for coming on. I think it was, it was really, like, quite a stimulating chat, actually. I feel quite, I felt quite inspired after, um, because we've all had similar backgrounds in terms of our training but our paths have diverged obviously massively in terms of location um but also that we still have the same opinion is quite interesting i found that really fascinating yeah. um so yeah thank you um anyway please feel free to email us or message us or whoever so if any if you want to communicate any topics you'd be interested in us answering questions about or talking about um you can email us as i mentioned on aba.owls.uk at gmail.com you can also contact us through our website that's abaowls.com and on instagram we are aba um, at aba underscore owls or on facebook as aba owls lots of aba and lots of owls either way you'll find us <laughs> if you search for those things so yeah that's my little blurb well so for today guys as you've seen from the title it's called training stuff an introduction so we we wanted to do this topic for a while we've had it in the back burn for quite a some time and if you heard our last episode, the Q&A with Amy, it was briefly discussed, the training, the importance of training staff. And it is a topic we find very interesting and relevant to pretty much, you know, everyone. And this topic does have the potential for many, many, many episodes. It's a subject that a lot of people can relate to as, you know, most of us have received training in, in a new job or if you're working in Portugal, um, which I'm not, uh, they expect you to start gathering experience in kindergarten, isn't it? Yeah, no, SA I think is pretty similar. Uh, basically, yeah. if you want experience, you have to have experience, but no one will give you experience without experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you need a degree, and if you can't get a, a degree and you can't get experience, you can't get an interview. Mm -hmm. So essentially, it's a vicious cycle of no one's going yeah. anywhere. Unless good yeah. old nepotism plays its part and someone's family knows someone <laughs> who will give you a, give you a, a nod. <laughs> yeah. No, a connection yeah. and someone who knows someone, oh my days, yeah. it's rife with corruption. Exactly. <laughs> and then they wonder why we have these old boys and old girl clubs that are like just self-perpetuating. They wonder why this happens. Very interesting. Yeah. Oh, why are the young people leaving? And <laughs> Honestly, I wonder why. Mm, mm, okay. <laughs> Mystery of life. Anyway. Anyway, so Training Staff is a new series we're introducing and we're going to be reading more and more on the subject and we're probably going to develop the subtopics and episodes as well more and more. But for today, we will just scratch the surface on various areas. Let's call it a quick glance. I know at, at this you know section as Training Staff, 
But first, we're going to talk about some real-life scenarios we've come across, both me and Lauren, and we'll try to keep it as brief as possible. We'll then discuss some techniques or methods used in different work environments, and finally, we will tell you about how ABA can be applied in training staff. So since, you know, I'm already talking, I'm just going to give you my example. So these are real-life scenarios when being trained in, in a new job. So this scenario, uh, the topic is going to be differi differentiating stimuli, which we will cover in future episodes, or Lauren is probably going to mention it later, or, you know, it's for now, don't worry too much about this terminology. But so basically, many years ago, I worked in a jewelry shop, and I think this happened on my first day, I was asked to serve a customer, fine. And the person told me what they wanted. It was a particular bracelet that had a particular name. And I remember spending ages, like ages, looking for this bracelet. And bless this man, he was so patient with me. And I explained to him, it's my first day, I'm so sorry, etc. So what happened was, there were two bracelets that were very similar. And the drawings on the box, because each box had a drawing, not a photo, a drawing of the, of the bracelet. The drawings were really, really similar. And I wasn't able to find the right bracelet by myself. And eventually, a senior sales lady who worked with me came to help because I could not distinguish the bracelet. So the bracelet boxes are the stimuli and they're different, you know, they're different stimuli. And I wasn't able to discriminate. I wasn't able to tell apart the difference between the different box with the drawing alone. Uh, and every time I thought I had the right one, I opened it and it was the wrong one. And a very important bit of information that I wasn't given and would have been useful to have was if you go on the till to the search server and type the name of the bracelet, look at the product code and look for the box that has the matching last three digits. And I wasn't told this. So first day, oh, go look for a bracelet. I mean, the right box was in the drawer I was looking at, but because the drawing was so similar, I couldn't distinguish it, and I thought it was all the same bracelet. If I had been told to look at the code, I would have known their different products. I just thought it was the same bracelet, but with, you know, similar drawings. So, and before you say, oh yeah, that's obvious, again, first day. And it's only obvious after you know that information, you I know? Mean. And I had, isn't it? Yeah, and I had spent the whole morning doing health and safety stuff and learning about what the product was that was selling, blah, blah. So I wasn't trained on the practical aspects beforehand. So again, when you say something, it's obvious. It's obvious when, you're, when you have enough practice. And I think people, after they've been, they learn something, they forget that when they're teaching to other people, it's not obvious to the other person. You need to teach the other person what you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was my example of, oh, my days. How can I? Being tra I don't know what this is. And you're nervous. Like, it's your first day. Yeah. You know? So yeah. That's, that's in itself is quite <laughs> scary. Um, my yeah. example is it's either, and I didn't know how to phrase it, so I put it both in. It's either the incorrect prompt level or the person didn't fade through the levels of the prompt. So you guys can decide when you listen to my story. Okay. So I worked as a receptionist at a hospital in London, and here is a note mm. on work experience. Okay, when I first moved to London, I wasn't able to get any work until they had what we call, what they called, and I don't know if they still do, but London experience. 
Okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. So even though I had worked in promotions in South Africa and I had worked as a waitress and as a sales rep and as a dental assistant for a while and I had five years at university and I, had, I walked over three degrees, I was unemployable because I didn't have said a London experience. So, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> so back to being new in London and looking for work, like a way to pay the bills. I eventually got a position as a receptionist at a, hosp- at a hospital. Now, I vaguely remember being taught how to use the system to book or cancel appointments. Okay, so it's government run, so people come in of all walks of life. Okay, but I, <laughs> I remember the person who was training me, and I say training in inverted commas as well, because I don't remember them properly showing me how to, um, to use it. So they demonstrate, I think, once, but it's one of those like, you know those like um, DOS systems where it's all like black and white screens and you put in codes and then it moves oh. to the next level and whatever. So it was like... Like the old-timey like yeah. code, the CMD, like when you have to like input Okay, so the system was oh, like gosh. archaic and like, yeah. if you didn't know the, what buttons to press, you couldn't move to the next level. So it was like quite complicated. And I think they yeah. showed me once and then <laughs> that was it. And I was on the floor and I was booking and cancelling appointments and I pretty sure that I did a really shoddy job because I don't think I cancelled or booked any appointments properly. Um, But what I feel is that the person who did show me, and I'm not blaming this person, I'm not saying they, you know, like they, they did me a disservice, but I don't think that they had any concept of how to assess whether someone was able to like gather all the information and use it straight away. And sometimes you mm-hmm. might need to do like a full physical prompt, which I'll show, I'll talk about a bit later, and then fade through to maybe the maybe just a model prompt. But all I got was one where she did it and I watched. So let's say a model prompt at best. But if there's a lot of information, yeah. it might not be the best one to use. Okay, so. I felt that the prompt level used to demonstrate to me wasn't the correct one in the beginning. And I don't think that anybody ever assessed where I was at before leaving me. I mean, Mm. she was busy. She had stuff to do. But ultimately, I did a really bad job until I sort of figured out the system. And I think it took me about two weeks. Like, that's, you know, 10 days of work where I probably was messing up people's vital, important (laughs) appointments. Um, But, yeah, training is successful you know, it, training someone well to be successful is essential and being able to do this effectively and efficiently, even when you're busy, makes all parties more successful. And, you know, this is, this happens a lot, you know. And also, if it took you two weeks by yourself, if she'd spent, let's say, two days being a bit more on you, yeah, it would have saved so much work for her as well exactly. as a long run. Because yeah. when you have to correct other people's mistakes, it actually makes you even busier. Exactly. So, and, yeah. And a lot of angry yeah. patients, which I, yeah. oh, I was days. definitely oh, not going to take the knock for that. I was like, I have been in London for like a week and I've been at this job for like two days and I don't have a cooking clue what is happening. I don't even recognize the accents here. So, <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, this this kind of this ineffective training, should we say, no, blame, yeah. no parties being blamed, is yeah. something that happens quite a lot. And if it's addressed, yeah. you know, you know, we want successful employees and we want successful trainees so that we can, yeah. as Carla just mentioned, lessen our load and have successful yeah, outcomes. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think that's kind of like my little Ooh, wowza. intro. <laughs> <laughs> my days. Wow. Well, and now we're going to talk about, you know, training techniques used in the work environment. So, um, all right then. 
so let me just get into the topic of just training as a general concept. So sitting in school and learning about maths, that's receiving training. Starting a new job and being told how to perform, perform such a job is receiving training. Being taught how to speak either your native language or a new language, that's receiving training. So all that is training. In ABA, we consider all that training, training, learning, etc. And we will be visiting the topic of training staff again after our February break. But like we've said, this will be focusing on training staff. It will be work-related content. Um, so when you research training staff, you will come across a multitude of websites like employee training courses, tips on how to train staff, etc., etc. There's a lot of stuff on the internet. So from the website um, edgepointlearning.com, I found an article called Top 10 Types of Employee Training. And I thought, okay, let's see what this is about. So their 10 types of training are listed as followed. Instructor-led training. So this, you usually know when a teacher is, for example, telling you how to do stuff. E-learning, simulation employee training, hands-on training, coaching or mentoring, lectures, group discussion and activities, role-playing, management-specific activities, case studies, or other required reading. So a lot of these people probably are probably familiar with. Um, and in this short article, they do go on to briefly describe what each type of training looks like. For example, hands-on training is called, and I quote, experimental training. So I'm going to assume that's they mean empirical training, so practical stuff whilst you're on the job. And they also mentioned the disadvantages of each type of training. So, analogy time. Let's imagine a circle. Let's think about a circle. And that the circle is divided into 10 slices. And imagine that each slice represents a different kind of training. So, what seems to happen quite often is that only a couple of slices are used. So, trainers, managers, etc. will choose a few ways, like usually two ways, two or three ways of training someone, but will neglect other forms of training. So given that the circle is divided into 10 slices, if you try and make a complete circle with just two or three slices, the result is incomplete. It's not whole, it's not a full circle. And this is how we want you to imagine training. So a circle should be completed by using different types of slices, like Trifle Pursuit, which I bought over Christmas as a present to my to me and my partner. It's amazing. Because I love that. I can't wait for it to arrive. There's Trifle actually Pursuit. a podcast about how how it started, which I'm going to share with you at some point. Really? No, tell me now. Oh, it's it's apparently now. two Canadian people would like to test each other about their knowledge. And then they created oh. Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. So I... I, I knew it was ca Canadian, but I didn't know it, how it started. Yeah. Oh, Apparently, the of everyone's always been obsessed with showing off how much general knowledge they have. I don't know. Of course. Um, of and course. then they decided they'd put it into a game so that people could actually like test how good they were against each other in terms of their general knowledge. See, cool. Okay. Those are the best games. Like, there's a Portuguese game that came out, I think it was last year. So, it's there's this um, Portuguese, I think I've told you, a comedian mm -hmm. um, that I quite like. And he has a segment on the radio for the last, I don't know, 20, 
20 something years called the man who bit the dog oh yeah um and he you know he he basically it's 10 minutes of him he finds news all over the world that are funny and he talks about them on the on the radio show and he him and his son actually his 10 year old son bless him they created this game where it's kind of like you create your own bizarro news so you have cards <laughs> And then you get the cards, and then, for example, you have the who, the where, the how, oh. and you have on the spot to create a story, oh, like a, a crazy new... It, it, it sounds really fun, to yes. be honest, because it's just... Anyway, sorry, going back to <laughs> the article from edgepointlearning.com, um, the types of training they mention will have different names in the ABA world, and as Lauren will explain very soon, we use terms, terms such as prompting, teaching, and different stimuli, etc. Training also has to be adjusted according to the person's experience, not mention their rate of learning. And we've all heard the expression, oh, they're a fast learner. But what does that really, really mean? I mean, does it mean that if someone takes longer, they're not clever? You know, absolutely not. Uh, but what you will find with the so-called fast learners is that they might potentially be more observant or ask more questions. They might have good imitation skills. And all that, you know, let's say, components of a person don't just develop overnight. You know, they are developed throughout the individual's life with the use of reinforcement and punishment. And you, the audience, will probably agree that training people can be really overwhelming. And this is especially true if your employer or you as an employer... Uh, even bother to look up training techniques at all. And a lot of the time people just wing it. So training is a very rich and vast area. And I do want to take a moment to acknowledge that it is an enormous topic to cover. Hence why we'll have to do more episodes about it. You know, people trained in OBM, which is um, Organizational Behavior Management, do cover this area quite extensively, I believe. And if you're interested, you can always listen to, there's two podcasts, there's the Behavior Business Podcast, and there's also the Business of Behavior Podcast. And I know they're quite similarly, they're like, the, it's just inverted names, but, you know, the, the first one, the Behavior Business Podcast, Behavior has a U, because it's British, and the Business of Behavior Podcast ha doesn't have a U on the word behavior, because it's American. So just, you know, that's how you tell them apart. And before I finish and give, you know, Lauren the stage, just a quick example. So as a child, my dad always told me to look for the emergency exits when arriving at a new building. Like it was something he always did. And as an adult, I've gotten into the habit of looking at the fire plants whenever I'm staying in a hotel. Like I actually do this. I go and look. Um, and this doesn't necessarily mean that I'm a natural observer, but I was reinforced into developing that observation behavior. So in a matter of speaking, my dad trained me to observe my surroundings in a new environment. And in this case, it was guided towards the emergency exits. So, you know, it, it, you're not just a natural observer. You learn how to be an observer, you know. And so that's me done. And just a very quick introduction that's what this was and in future episodes we will be covering it in more depth and and that's it i think now i think it's lauren's turn cool. you go cool <laughs> thanks so you know after carla's introduction about training and our general notes about training i thought we could talk about some of the terms we use in aba 
which we use extensively in training, and this is training with staff also, but also training when we work or teach or shape our young people's um, learning. So yeah, so I'm going to talk about it, about the ABA terms. I'm going to explain them. Sorry, ABA does like these wordy things. So if they sound awkward, they are awkward. It's just we just accept <laughs> and just like differentiating stimuli. Like we just accept what that might be. Other people find those words awkward. In ABA, they just become commonplace. So sorry, but jargon is important sometimes. And we have to accept other fields <laughs> jargon so people can accept some yeah. ABA jargon. So, so training using ABA. So we were thought we would mention some different types of ways we use prompting and training. So prompting is how much support you give someone and there's different levels of support. Okay, so we're going to talk about kind of what a prompt is or what they are, how we use them, um, how and how we've been successful using them. Um, so I might talk a little bit about how I've used them and how I've used them to train other staff because this is kind of our staff themed one. So we use different levels of prompting to train staff and how to teach slash train, essentially the same in this context, skills to our clients. So here we go. Okay, so we've got our first one is our verbal prompt, which is used extensively everywhere. I would say overused. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you know yeah. kind of I'll do what, what do what I say not what I do kind of vibe okay so yeah. what is a verbal prompt a verbal prompt involves telling the learner or another person the answer okay so you give them a verbal cue such as the beginning sound of an answer or you give them a direction uh, more than once so you can say go sit down over there okay so you get the verbal instruction so how I've used verbal prompts with staff as well as with my clients, and Carla's used these two, she can pipe in if she wants to at some point, um, but <laughs> how have I used them? I've used them to, to train staff, like I give them the verbal instruction or the verbal prompt to say, tell them to put his hands down, and then the person, the, the, the staff members, given the child the instruction, hands down, and the child's put their hands down. So there's a little chain of <laughs> verbal prompt, verbal prompt, and an action. Um, but yeah, you can see how this can be a way of training people. You give them the instruction or you tell them what to do with words. And they yeah. listen. Ev everyone get your papers. Everyone get your maths book. Um, can you pick up, remember, pick that off the floor once you finished. You know, it's... Yeah. It's kind yeah. of our most common one, I would say. We use yeah. them extensively. Yeah. And I think people overuse them sometimes. And mm -hmm. sometimes the audience isn't ready to listen, so it's better to show them. And here we can go into another prompt level. So we've got our gesture. Sometimes people call these point prompts, but I don't think gestures always mean points, but I'm going to throw them in together anyway. Um, so like yeah. a point or a hand gesture, um, or this person, some people give an example of a head nod, um, to encourage mm -hmm. someone to be able to follow an instruction. So you don't say anything, but you'd point to something or you'd gesture towards something um so an example is like let's say a child's getting dressed and you give them the socks and then you point to the pairs of shoes okay or you point to their feet so they know to put them on their feet okay um or you know you can i think i always give the gesture i don't always tell children to sit down but i might tap the chair so i know that they know to come and sit down because i don't want to always have to say come and sit down 
But if I tap the chair or I, I, I gesture towards the chair, they might come and sit down naturally. In this case, I wouldn't have to give a verbal prompt. I can just give a gesture prompt or a point prompt. Um, Carla gave a good example, but yeah. like picking up objects, you point to the objects instead of, instead of saying, remember to pick them up, you can just point to them. Um, so this is also... Yeah, like... Yeah? It, yeah, like when I used to work in the jewellery shop, it was kind of like, like... It was a lot of verbal prompts, but for example, sometimes you'd point at which drawer the jewellery boxes were. Yeah. So that's where you need to go get them. Or the person might point to a specific piece of jewellery in the thing and you'd know exactly what that was. You were responding to their gesture prompt for specificity, I would say. Anyway, so um, we, uh, Carl and I also have used this extensively to be able to teach our staff, again, to be able to teach our students to, in something with like sign language. So they copy your gesture as you're doing it. I will talk about model prompts, but it's slightly different to a gesture prompt, even though people get them confused. But the gesture happens usually at the same time as the other person, or you give them the gesture and they copy it straight away. Whereas the model prompt, you might go through a few levels before you get them to actually model the same behavior. But I'll talk about that in a bit. So yeah, teaching sign language is a great way of using gestures because someone needs to copy your hands or copy your movements um, with these kinds of prompts. We've got our visual prompts. Now, I don't think people use these as extensively as they should, um, but I do think that they can be quite powerful. And I've used them quite a lot recently to be able to get um, my clients to be able to do different things and my staff. Okay, so it's a visual prompt. It's a picture cue or writing or information to help someone get the right answer. So it can be uh, some kind of visual schedule or a video or a photograph or a drawing or a piece of writing um, that helps someone get the answer right. So visual timetables are a good example of visual prompts. Okay, It helps you choose what you're going to be doing next or what to do or get which materials to get out. Um, also, you can use these to follow instructions to cook a meal. That's It's a visual prompt. We read the information. It tells us what we're to do. Um, and we, we follow the right um, instructions. Um, I What about also, I always thought this one was a good one, Carla, like flat pack furniture. Like we use, you know, visual prompts with flat pack furniture. It's like a series of things and building Lego yeah, pieces. Yeah. Use it all the time. Yeah. It's your visual prompt to what to do next. Um, I think also um, it's something that can be taught and then faded out. So you might need it initially, but you can fade it out to another yeah. prompt later on. But I think they it's are less, underutilized, yeah, don't you think? I think because I, when I trained staff, um, especially at the jewelry shop, I used visuals a lot because we had like lots of drawers and cabinets mm. with things. And for new staff, it was really good because I remember when I started, they had a small visual guide, but it was some, it was out of date or um, it wasn't specific enough, and it didn't have all the drawers. So when I when I start being in charge of it, <clears throat> I would every time we had to move things around, I updated it, mm. or you know, because we had the the drawers, you know, with numbers, and then I said, look, the bristles are here, the, the rings are here, and you know, the slakes, which was a type of bracelet, like there. So I made it more spe specific so that staff could. And also, when you have to create that visual, you kind of see if things are org organized in a way that makes sense. Exactly. And we and we had to move things around in the shop because when I had the authority to do that, I'd be like, you know what, 
this doesn't make sense. And my manager said, you know what, you're good with organization, just go for it. And I was like, okay, we have to move all these here because it makes more sense. And it, like, so, so it's a bit more intuitive as well mm, for other course. staff yeah. members who are new, you know, especially interns, you know, like when you had, not interns, but when you had new employees for Christmas, like Christmas, oh, yeah, Christmas extra cover. stuff. Yeah. Oh, my days. Yeah. You just need to make things super easy so everything goes smoothly. Exactly. And I think also like, you know, we, we learn when we weren't trained well enough and we didn't do well. We learned from our experience. So we go, there's a bit of punishment in there for us too that we go okay yeah, 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 yeah. so maybe we should make this yeah. easier so that we can all be more successful yeah. so yeah exactly yeah um yeah. then we've got our kind of model prompts okay so this mm-hmm. is when you demonstrate something first and then someone is asked to copy it so it seems similar to gestural but it's not always the same and I think we can talk about this again at another point I don't want to get too much into it today but they can I think they do cross over in some instances but basically you demonstrate something first and then you get someone to copy you okay and often this is like a good example is like when you do um, physical education or sports at school because the the coach will just demonstrate like an obstacle course and then you will be able to complete it afterwards Um, they don't show you every step and then you get you to copy it as they're doing it you watch the whole thing and then you copy it. Um, and also, like, in terms of um, cooking again, you might show someone a few steps and then get them to copy the few steps. Um, I think yeah. also sometimes with um, self-help or independent skills, we get um, our mm-hmm. young people to – we model it and we get them to copy it afterwards. Um, but I think, yeah, cooking and, and writing skills, guys. Like, when you teach someone to write, you write and then you get them to copy it. So they see it first. So model model problems probably the most effective there. Sorry, Carla. No, I was just gonna say that um, with training stuff like modeling, people usually do it wrong. So I've noticed when they use modeling, they just do it for you. Say, yeah. watch what I'm doing, but then you don't. You are not given an opportunity to do it at the same time. So yeah. like wrapping stuff, they'd be like. Okay, see what I do. They wrap it really quickly, or yeah. um, or they do it for you with a customer, and then they give it to the customer. But then you are not given the chance to replicate that skill simultaneously. Exactly. So the modeling is incomplete. So yeah. it's like, oh, I showed you. Yes, but I wasn't given a chance to do it at the same time as you. Yeah, and I wasn't given the so, opportunity to get feedback to know if I was on the right track or I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah, I wasn't, exactly. I wasn't the, the person didn't watch me do it and didn't provide the right, maybe I needed an, an extra prompt level in there. So that's yeah. what I, maybe I should have a point to say here is that it, it leads on great into fading prompts. Okay, and I think we're also always so focused on fading through the levels, but sometimes we need to move up and down the scale. Sometimes people need more support, and then they need less mm-hmm. support. Yeah. Um, Carl and I were recently discussing with one of um one of our mutual clients that you know sometimes we need to we need to give more support in order to fade our support because if we're just sticking on the mm-hmm. same level, the young person or the client isn't learning because they're just doing the same thing over yeah. and over. So. Fading prompts is like you said a a dynamic assessment, isn't it? You need to make a decision at the like decision based on the progress. Okay, it's not progressing. Let's change it to this tactic. Okay, this is now progressing. Let's change it. But like you know, you you have to be able to adapt exactly with your client and be in it at that moment and check if this is going to work. You know, yeah. Um, and also with us going online with a lot of stuff, like we do a lot of our training, I do a lot of training on on the computer or on mm-hmm. what do you call these things yeah. online, basically. So I'm not. With, what do you call this thing? <laughs> what do you call this thing? So I'm not with my clients or I'm not with my staff. So I have to make sure that 
I am training effectively enough because I can't be there. I watch the videos that are happening live yeah. or I watch videos that are happening afterwards. But I have to make sure that my training is extensive enough. Okay, so I'm fading through the levels of prompts. So I'm giving more support or less support or more prompts or less prompts. And I'm seeing whether that's having an impact on the on the ultimate on the the, the person that receives the the support. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I yeah. think it's something that's really important. And I think unless you are really good at on the spot, sometimes you have to work through these and get these wrong and then get them right. Um, yeah, but it's it's, it's mistakes it's, are also part of learning. Yeah, of very course. important for learning. You and know, people so, sometimes, I, yeah. No, you go, you go. No, 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 go. go for it. Um, I was just going to say, like, in ABA, there's a big tendency of, you know, trying to teach it right from the beginning because it's harder to correct a mistake, which is true, mm. depending on the learner. However, some learners, I'm a learner that learns as well by making mistakes. Yeah. And I know people are different. And I know some kids, once they learn something the wrong way. Um, but the thing is, they only learn the mistake if the mistake is reinforced. Yeah. So the theory of saying that oh, you need to do airless teaching so they don't learn the wrong thing. But they will only learn the wrong thing if that wrong response is reinforced. If the wrong response is not reinforced, it shouldn't be, like, it shouldn't stick. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Not, it doesn't have an increased likelihood of recurring again. Because yeah, essentially, exactly, reinforcement yeah. means, you know, the behavior is more likely to occur again in the future. So if it's not getting reinforcement, yeah. it shouldn't be. You know, yeah. Um, but I think yeah. yeah, fading fading prompts is so important. But applying the right prompt level in the beginning is also like is important. But fading prompts is essentially the process of systematically reducing or removing prompts or support that have been paired with an instruction or an action. Okay, so allowing the person, student, um, staff member, trainee, whatever, to independently respond correctly without our prompts. Okay, and that, as as we said, it's dynamic. You're moving up and down the the, the various mm-hmm. scales. You might need more support. You might need less support. You might more prompts. You might need less prompts. Um, and yeah. I think also, um, you know, I get, I've got an example here of fading physical prompts. Okay, of guarding a child, um, basically with their hands of doing something. So in the beginning, you might support their wrists or their hands. Okay. Then you might fade to just touching their hands lightly to get their hands in the right position. Then you might go to touching just the forearm or the elbow to get the hands in the right position. So, you know, fading your support or your prompt ensures that the child does not become overly dependent on a particular prompt when learning a new skill. Okay, so you don't want you don't want a young person or any person to be prompt dependent. We all know how annoying it is to have a trainee or a person who's dependent on our help. Or our prompts, okay? It 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 hinders your progress and hinders theirs. So if you yeah. are fading correctly, you should get less and less of this, okay? And and you'll soon know if you're not fading it correctly because you'll go, oh, he always does that when I do this, okay? Because he's waiting for the prompt, or she might be waiting for that prompt, okay? So essentially, when we teach sign language, it's really important to fade your prompts because correctly, otherwise you get a child who's or a young person or a learner that is always prompt dependent. They're always waiting for you to support them to get the right sign. And if they're needing prompts or support to do the sign language, then they're not communicating independently. And then what's the point of teaching that, that form of communication if they always need someone else? If someone else doesn't understand them, they don't know how to support them. So we really need to be thinking about how fading prompts is really, really important. I remember uh, when I used to work in the cafe and then I went to the jewelry shop 
And then the cafe said, can you just support us over the summer? And I said, yeah, that's fine. Um, <clears throat> so I had two jobs at some point. And I was just there for a couple of weeks. I hadn't been there for a while. And they had new staff, which wasn't properly trained. And for example, you had your positions. You had the counter, uh, drinks, and the floor. The floor is the person who brings things up and down, as you know. And I remember this person, this lady, she, this young girl, I guess, she was on the counter and she and she was starting to walk towards the floor and I physically like I put my hand up and I went stop what do you need and she told me I got it for her and then I told her look in the future I'm on the floor anything you need you ask me I need you to stay here and I wasn't even the manager I was just like just stay here and and then I stopped telling her because she understood then she was able to do it. So it was kind of like my first prompt was full physical hand up, yeah. stop, and verbal. Yeah. And then after, yeah, <laughs> no, it was. And then after that, I didn't have to. And, you know, and if I saw she kind of needed me, I just, you know, would say, okay, just tell me, like, I would just do a simple verbal, what you need. And then she just start telling me after like a day or so, she was fine. And it's something that it's, she wasn't trained. She hadn't been properly trained. And that was the thing. Yeah. Because yeah. when I got there, I, I asked, okay, do you want me counter, drinks, or floor? And she was really confused by that. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, we each, we're three people. We each have our station. And she wasn't, mm. she, she was just like, oh, because the new manager, who was really bad, uh, he yeah. just didn't, because he probably wasn't well trained either. <laughs> So, yeah, this is it's the all thing, a vicious it? cycle. Like generational yeah. inappropriate yeah. training, or that that there there isn't yeah. any fading, or there isn't any there isn't the correct level, and then there's you know there's no yeah fading. yeah yeah yeah. So there's an inefficient system that has happened. Um, yeah, which ha mm -hmm. I think it, it, you know everybody can relate to this. Everybody has been in a situation where they know that they've received poor training, and they also have given poor training not because they want to. You know, because that's how they were taught. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I think also another really important part of prompting, or a, it's related to prompting, is giving enough examples or different. You know, mm -hmm. as Paula mentioned, yeah. different stimuli as examples. Okay. Yeah. So it's vital, and especially for generalization, which we know. Okay, and if we don't, this is what we'll mention. Children with autism, and, uh, and most children, well, not actually, no, that's the, not the right thing to say, but a lot of children who have learning difficulties or struggle to learn, okay, have a problem with generalization. They find it hard to generalize their skills, okay, especially yeah. children with autism. So, you know, we need to make sure that we are thinking about how we're going to generalize these skills to other settings that are also not just learning at the table, but also learning in the classroom, learning in the playground, learning when we're out in the community, learning when we're at home, learning with our siblings, as well as our friends, as well as our teachers. Okay, so generalization needs to happen everywhere. And I think also, in terms of giving different examples or different stimuli, is that we need to make it real for the person who's receiving the training. This is really important. If we're giving examples of dog training to people who work in a in a jewelry shop, we're probably not going to have the same um, buy-in. Okay, so we need yeah. to we need to remember who our audience is and make examples relevant to them. Make if you make it more real life, and you don't only talk in jargon and talk in academic or theoret theoretical examples, you're going to get people who better understand the concept. Okay. 
and it makes it more real for us in our daily lives. We can relate to it more. I found that when I was learning about ABA, and I'm sure Carla can attest to this too, is that I needed more examples than just theoretical examples from a textbook. I needed real life examples. Because I then I could explain it better to others, which means I understood it. Okay. And um, make it relevant. Yeah, make it relevant for the for your audience, whoever's hearing this or whoever is receiving your training. Because then they'll process it better and they will understand it better and they'll be able to demonstrate it more because they understand it and can uh, relate to it. Um, yeah. And I think also, you know, we need to be able to apply this to many different situations and generalize it like we do in ABA. If you're only understanding it when you're in, in the... The, you know, when you're in the lectures or you're only understanding when you're reading a textbook, how is that going to help you implement that with your work? So generalization needs to happen for us too. We need to be able to generalize our knowledge and our skills to multiple audiences and multiple settings. So yeah, that's kind of my little blurb on prompt levels and different things. I think I've mentioned everything. Yeah. Yeah, I think cool. we're good. Like it was just a quick episode. Um... And thoughts, as usual, the only thing I have to say is we, in future episodes when we cover this this topic, um, we're probably going to compare ABA terms with terms more commonly used in the workplace or things that are more generally known. So because we want to try to make a bridge, yeah. like a dictionary, like, you know, like the book from Sir Albert, um, The Understanding ABA in it, where... Is trying to connect the people to connect the dots that because sometimes people use different terminologies for the same thing and there's a bit of a clash of but I'm talking about this but I'm no you were talking about the same thing and that's where we're driving at is just you know in ABA we call this in other environments you probably know this and that but it's the same principle exactly um but yeah we're gonna you know look more into this topic in the future not. Not like the ABA programs. We're not going to do it every single episode on this. We're just going to alternate so people don't get, you know, tired of it. Uh, but we will be covering a bit more about this. So, you know, if you're interested, if you know someone who's interested, just, you know, pass it along if it's useful for them. Yeah. You know, we, we love to get get listeners. Yeah, share I love the going love. on our... Yeah, going on our Podbean account and seeing, oh, people from America mm. and Ireland and India have <laughs> listened. Amazing. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, how about you, Lauren? Anything you want to end on? I think I just want to say that tra- training is actually not that easy to do. Okay. I think that some yeah. people are natural trainers and who develop that skill and some people just aren't. But I think if we know... Um, our content really well and we think about how our audience will receive it we can all do it but it's really essential and we need to be good at it Um, or we need to work at least at making it efficient and effective for others Um, especially in any work you know or professional environment because you know we need to be and especially with us in our field we need to be doing the best to support the people who work alongside with and support yeah you know and if we don't our clients deserve the best guys and i assume that's how everyone sees their work they feel that the end product whatever that might be ours is children with autism or children with learning difficulties um that they deserve the best and if we aren't giving our best in terms of training you know we can't expect our staff or our colleagues to do their best so yeah. that's why we yeah. do it. We're really passionate about helping others do really well at this kind of work. So yeah, that's kind of my blurb. 
All right, and I think on that note, uh, please feel free to email us on aba.als.uk at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at aba underscore owls. If you have a particular topic, if you have a particular topic you would like us to address, we would love to hear from you. Um, and yeah. Yeah, our next episode will be on the first Monday of March. That will be the 7th. And as mentioned, we are taking a break. Yay! Woohoo! And the Hoot Chronicles will be coming out in two weeks. So that's the 17th of January. Unless I accidentally upload it. Yeah, I know. I accidentally had this issue. I was like, kind of things are uploading. I'm uploading things. Well, I, maybe I'm not uploading. I'm downloading oh. things that I don't think are supposed to be available. And she's like, damn it, I saw I sorted it out. So maybe she had to go and do some additional training in order to figure out the system. But I doubt it. I think it was a glitch. No, you know what it is? Because it said, it put, I put the time and I, I scheduled the time. And then... I think before I saved the settings of the time, I just pressed OK. I think there was another oh. button that I'd forgotten to press because oh, I usually press. Yeah, I think I just I I came off of the menu before the I time see. and the day was set. So it so I actually put to you know publish immediately instead of schedule publish. Yeah. So yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Silly. Yeah. Um, if you have a moment, please rate, like, and subscribe to us. We've heard through the grapevine that helps to get us more listeners, so we're just saying that. <laughs> uh, we're chirping yeah. with ABA Owls on iTunes and on Instagram and Facebook. I'm sure we've said all the ABAs and all the Owls. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't heard that, yeah. we said it just a while ago and also at the beginning um, where you can find us. And thanks again for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. And we look forward to um, bringing you more content soon. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.